Hey, it's Beano Memory out of Portland, Oregon. Hoop Dreams Basketball, the basketball IQ guy. Appreciate you guys. We're on the 3OT podcast right now. Check us out. From tip-off to buzzer beater. Kick-off to Hail Mary. This is Triple Overtime. Welcome back to Triple Overtime. Today we have a very special guest here, Mr. Beano Memory. Um... I think this is going to be a pretty interesting uh, conversation for everybody listening. Um, if you guys don't know who he is, he's got a very extensive background in the hoops world. I just want to call it the hoops world. Uh, so if you are a basketball nerd, you will be very excited to tune into this one. All right. So, Bino, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great. Stupendous. <laughs> awesome. Glad to hear it. How have you been doing, too? Like, you know, with the pandemic going on, everything good? Yeah, things have, have trended up at the beginning. It was, I'll, I'll be honest, it was real tough. You know, it's a big shocker. We've never gotcha. with anything like that in our life. Uh, I'm 43 years old. Never anything close remotely to this ever. So, um, uh, could you tell the listeners uh, where did your your love or or when when did your love for basketball begin? Oh man, I would say in eighth grade, kind of like a late bloomer, but it was about eighth grade where I really just started enjoying basketball, and I was I played um, baseball, football. Uh, first. And so I came to this a little bit later. And for whatever reason, I just started it. I mean, I just loved it. I just wanted to do it as much as possible. It didn't matter how talented I was at it. Um, it was just a lot of fun to, to be around the game, to watch it, to learn and study it. I read a lot of Sports Illustrated uh, and read basketball articles. You know, you had to find them in there out of, out of 10 different articles. But yeah, yeah. build my joy. Okay. All right. Now, um, I'm aware of the the grassroots scene, but would you you would say that you're a part of the grassroots scene for sure, right? Definitely, would that be accurate. Yeah, definitely, now, especially my community. For sure. Now, with the grassroots, for people who aren't aware of that side of the basketball universe, could you explain what that's what that's about? Definitely. Well, now um, with it used to be kind of like a free agent type of deal, but now with shoe companies, shoe companies put a lot of resources into grassroots at the um, even elementary school age, middle school, and and then primarily in the high school because with where things are at, players go one and done and and have an opportunity to go to the NBA. So, and it's not even one year. We're talking like six months or something, you know, from getting on campus July or August to then now you're doing pre-draft stuff by April. Um, so you're not even spending a full year. And then I think what they're going to change the rule here pretty soon where – the kids can come out of high school. So they, they put a lot of resources into that. And guys like myself can run programs where they take teams and players uh, to showcase them, to help them get into college uh, around the country to play in these tournaments, which used to be kind of called AAU and A, but that's not really the thing. It's, I would say they call it travel ball club or, or, or grassroots basketball. So it's been around for years. It's just, it's become a big thing now. I think, you know, it was in the 80s, kind of when it got started mostly. But uh, I know when I did, I played in two AAU tournaments my whole high school career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a different ball game now. It's completely blown up now, for sure. Uh, and speaking from like your experiences from back then to all the way now, what has been the biggest change of that scene? Man, it's just prevalent. There's so many teams and so many players that do it, which it's like 
there's a positive and a negative to it. The positive is like, oh, there gives a lot of players opportunity yeah. to get showcased. And there's always diamonds in the rough and people that you find. But for the most part, I think it kind of waters it down. And um, it, it needs to be merit-based for like players that are good enough should be doing this. Now, if I'm a college coach, I go out to view players for at the high school level for recruiting. It can kind of mess with me because maybe for every 10 players, there's one player. Does that make sense? It's not, yeah. it's not the best of the best out there, which is what it used to be. Um, not to cut off players' opportunities, but I think you got to earn your right to be up there, if not develop, because the double-edged sword is it, it can um, it can hinder opportunities for you. It exposes you and shows you what you're not good at already. Now that college coach can move past you. And that, this is at the high school level, not like middle school and mm-hmm. elementary grassroots. So, Gotcha. And uh, I know um, you are you are on the West Coast, right? You are in the yeah, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Portland Oregon, Portland, Portland Oregon, Portland, Oregon. City. Got you, got you. So I know that scene is a uh, is definitely an interesting one. I know we had a chance to talk to Terrence, but uh, who who maybe are your your favorite players you've seen through that through that system since you've been out there? Well, I mean, coming up, guys that really rang a lot of bills that you kind of wanted to emulate and be like was Damon Stoudemire. Um, I'm not sure you guys know much about him, but he went to Arizona. You know, he went to school here at Wilson High School. I think he won three state championships. He's only about 5'10". Um, and then he and then he went to Arizona back and played for Lute Olsen. And, uh, man, they went to Elite Eights and Sweet 16s, and then he eventually made to a Final Four. And he was player year candidate, senior year in college. He averaged about 24, 25. He was drafted uh, by the Toronto Raptors the first year they were expansion team. So he was the Toronto Raptors first draft pick um, and was the face of the franchise. You know, they call him Mighty Mouse, but this is this is a guy that everybody looked up to um, coming up that you had Terrell Brandon. Um, you know, we got, I feel like we have a rich basketball community. Those are the guys made to the NBA, AC Green, uh, but there's other players around guys like Charles McKinney, Aaron McKinney, um, you know, Kanan Chapman, uh, Kenny Warren, Aaron Cowan. Uh, these are all players that not a lot of people know about, but they are like helping move the game forward um, in the community, um, which is, I think, why I'm even involved with it. Uh, but the Damon Stoudemire stood out there and it's like showed that, hey, coming from a little, little small town like Portland, Oregon, you can make it on the real um, national scale and, and do it if you do it the right way. And so he gave guys a lot of hope um, back then. Sure. Fantastic career. He's coaching now too. I forgot what, what university. University of Pacific. He was the coach of the year in the WCC conference last year, which, you know, I mean, to win that over Mark Few, I don't know. It's now five years. I don't know how many people have done that. Um, So he's, and you know, he's, he was at Memphis before and then he coached at Memphis in the NBA, the Grizzlies. Um, He's always had a good basketball IQ, and a lot of people don't know, but Damon Sturmeyer has, like, a crazy work ethic. That's, you know, how does a 5'9", 5'10 guy make it to the NBA and go to Arizona and be an All-American, all that stuff? Uh, His work ethic is, like, a match. But that's what you can control, you know? that's can't control how tall you are and all that stuff. You can control how many hours and, and time you put in to develop your game, your craft. 
That's what's up. That's a, it's such a kind of like a behind the scenes look, I could almost say, because if, you, if you're talking about like kind of a traditional, not I wouldn't even say a traditional, kind of like the, the casual basketball person, the casual basketball fan. I don't think they really understand all the work that goes on behind the scenes, um, you know, er, how, how much these programs mean. So can you kind of just if you could explain to, to them, to that perspective, like like what really is is going on here? What kind of grind is really happening out here? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the players that are authentically moving from level to level, uh, you you have to put in a lot of time. I think it's what Malcolm Gladwell, 10 years, 10,000 hours, um, you know, to kind of master your craft. But Peyton Pritchard, he's from here. He's kind of getting a lot of notoriety being from. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's doing well. He's doing boy. well in the Celtics My right boy. now. Yeah. Ah, man, I mean, he's, you know, you got him, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, and you got it. Yeah, I mean Anthony Edwards, but you got kind of like a select few guys that out of those sixty players drafted that are really like saying, "Hey, I belong." And Peyton, you know, he won four state championships in, in high school at West Lynn, um, and he's got stories about you know I'm doing my ball handling in the morning at six a.m. and I'm doing it so much that the you know my skin's splitting from my fingernails. Oof. You know, that's real irritating. Yeah. I mean, we all had that type of stuff happen, like. And then you got to get up and do that again. I like redundantly um, the stuff he's doing right now in the league. It doesn't surprise me because I've seen the stories and and right. like we're talking about now. But to move from level to level, it gets glamorized in today's day and age with the videos and stuff. Um, you know, if there was ever anything I did like that, I would want to make it like a like almost like a thirty for thirty uh, Beyond the Glory documentary, where right. it's like you see. This is what's really happened. The guy, you know, he goes outside, he throws up. Uh, this guy, you know, like you said, always oh, got to tape his fingers because they're bleeding. Um, I, I want that real stuff to be shown. Oh, we're running 17s. I'm like, yes, sir, I had a group of kids run 20 sets of two and 22 down and back. So you rest 22 seconds in between. Like that's, you might, it might seem like we worked hard after, after five, but then to sit there and we got to do 15 more of those. <laughs> that's work. <laughs> that's work right there. Yeah. And that's great. Cause 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 they the cash they don't see that. And 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 again, yeah. it's hard to see that. But you kind of touched on that too about the the uh over glamorization, I should say, of um this kind or this style of basketball in the program. And like, you know, cause like people go on YouTube and what's the first thing you see, you see like, Hey, you know, he's the top eighth grader out of like, you know, <laughs> wherever this is the top fifth grader out of Portland, you know, and, and, and they see these highlights, but they don't see the grind and, and the program. So, so I, I want to ask you when you're, when you're looking at these kids and you're evaluating these players, what, what is it that you're looking for in terms of like, yo, know, like, 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 like he's got it. Yeah. Like, like that kid, He's different. Oh, well, in today's day, probably two things. Um, how hard you play. So that tells me that you, you're intelligent enough to know you need to be in condition and, and the game cares. You care about the game. And then how intelligent you are, like your decision making. Anybody can come down, you know, in, in and out and handle the ball and shoot and do that stuff. But how do you work with four other players on the floor? And how do you work with those four other players in relation against – uh, and compete against those other five that you're on the floor with, or is it just you is, you know, if it's like music, it's like a person consistently and constantly doing a solo. Like I, I if we're a band, uh, you know, I want to kick you out the band, like let's meet right. music together. And every once in a while, maybe you guys could solo, I could solo. We, you know, like new edition or something, but 
the person keeps, no, no, it's my turn. It's my turn. That's that's just not going to work mm-hmm. together. That's what today's era of basketball is. So I look for guys that can, or players, girls, guys, that can think the game um, and how hard they play first and foremost. Uh, that says a lot to me right off the bat. And then we move from there. Gosh, and with that, on that on that note, um, and it might be somewhat of a, a culture change too. With as you know, we have more younger players coming in, the players they they've grown up watching. But I was watching. Uh, I don't know sure if you're aware of uh, Devin Williams in the lab. I think he's based out in California. Yeah, I love I love a lot guys, of his content. He's, I know he do a lot of content. One of the guys I've I've worked with, Pooh Jetter, works with him. Oh yes, sir. Yeah, who's a legend? And. uh I was watching the video the other day where he's talking about IQ and he was actually trying to teach these kids how to run uh, a set. But he's, he's trying to explain to them, like, look, you can go one four flat and try to score ISO all you want, but that's not really what basketball is. You have to figure out how are you scoring inside of a system? You need to make these points easier for yourself. Yeah. And like, how do you feel about like, like ball is life culture and hoop mixtape culture? Do you think that that is, is helping or hurting? Honestly. It's a good question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I'm off, I'm authentic basketball, like everything basketball. Like I, I mm. love basketball. So there's, you know, I grew up in the and one. Um, like that was around when I was so like, was that horrible for the game? Yeah. But is there like an art and the creativity to it that if you figure it out, like Ray for Austin played an extended career in the NBA and his mm-hmm. background was from the M one. Yeah. Now, if I'm like hating on that, then here he comes in and playing good basketball, jump stopping. And I think there's major beauty in that, but I don't think that this era of player has figured out how to blend that it's way over here. So yeah. to okay. me, then yeah, it's starting to make a bad um, stain on the game. And, and it's not as much as that ball is life stuff. Because everybody's got notoriety at every era or stage. Uh-huh. It's about the brand of basketball that's being played and what's being um, glamorized. It's just all one-on-one and looked like, like that's the game. That's not the game. If you can do that and you've worked your hardest to do that, but we got to figure out how, how do you work with a unit? Because we yeah. want to win. We don't want to like, you got your numbers, I got my numbers, but we lost. Did you see how dejected Bradley Beal was doing his interview the other uh, day? Yeah. He's so sick, man. He's so he's sick. Just, that's, he's, that's like, he's been years of that, though. Well, no, no, but he, he just scored like 60. To, he just scored yeah. 60 some points. Did you see how happy Steph Curry was at 60? He just scored 60 some points and was like, <sighs> man, yeah, we just can't call it. <laughs> like, yeah. So, free I'm, boy Brad, we, free Brad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Hopefully. Well, he's saying the right things. It's about stops. But if we, if 10 videos show the offense, how do we get, start getting stops? How do we start making that fun to do? We, mm-hmm. we think we can outscore the opponent. I don't, you know, I think James Harden works really hard in his craft. It's hard to win that I was just way. about to ask you that. Because when, yeah. when you see guys, like, for example, your 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 kids are going to be looking at that and, and are going to be emulating that to maybe some sort of degree. When you see that, how do you stop that shift in culture? Because it's obviously successful for some, but, I mean, that's that's a one-on-one kind of talent. I mean, that's, that's you, you know, not everybody. Yeah, but, like, I came up in the Michael Jordan era. Michael Jordan had to adjust his game 
to win. He, you can keep doing that style. Like it's, you can, I, I like pepper jack cheese on my burgers. You can do whatever you want on your burger, but <laughs> you can play that style. But um, what is the mission? What's your objective? In my mind, if you, whether you score 10 points, 22 or 50, we're supposed to be winning. There's a reason there's a scoreboard up right. there. So let's do that. If if you can get, you know, get busy while, while doing that, so be it, man. Like, but not at the, um, that it sacrifices the win. Um, yeah, yeah. It's about finding out the, like the Rubik's cube. What's there's like a, um, a riddle here. There's a, there's a maze you're trying to figure out to win the games. Michael Jordan took him with like seven years and then he figured it out. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me go back just a little bit. You were talking about how uh, something that you look for in, in your young guys is, is that IQ. Um, you know, as a basketball, uh, you know, I, mentor more than you're more than a coach as a basketball you know mentor if you got a guy who's in the eighth grade dunking off one foot but he doesn't know the game i don't think you're going to turn that down but with that being said what how would you uh teach the iq like how like what would your be approach to train that person how to have a better basketball iq i like that well i gotta now constantly make him alert like let him show him when you weren't alert, there was just nine things that just happened. So keep showing them, shining like, boom, you missed that. You missed that. See, you thought that a bop, bop, bop. And, and show them like, even though you believe you're great right now, at the next level, you're going to be judged on those eight things I just pointed out that you don't think mean nothing. And you got to look here. It ain't just like a high school, I mean, middle school, eighth grade going to high school. Like a player like that could wing it all the way to maybe college to like Kentucky and then find out at that point, yo, I'm supposed to be jumping to the ball. I got to rotate on this when this guy goes and helps. That's uh, crazy, though. Jump. Like, when you really think about it, like, that's... Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, like, it, it's it's like a it's like a horror movie. It, it's really scary to know how much that they have to learn really fast. So I point out those things. I find materials, like videos. I've been sending a video today that's PJ Tucker Communications. So I got a group of kids I'm going to work with later on today. I don't want to have to be beating them upside the head to communicate. So I'm, I just sent out that video so that they're already kind of prepped or primed before I come in there um, to turn their voices up a little bit more. Now, is that foolproof? Probably not. Might get about 15% of that and then I'm going to have to push it more. Um, yeah, that's a free, that's a free 15% though. And that's, <laughs> and that's huge. Yeah. From this digital stuff and, and it's to use it the right way. Um, and I have to find it because I don't think these players are going to go out. It, it's boring information. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think that's very interesting. And like, you know, kind of in uh, our conversations, you know, messages on, on and comments, you know, with each other between uh, on Instagram and stuff, stuff like that. I know you're all about defensive rotations. I know you're all about your players understanding. I mean, your offense is going to come. Because everybody, everybody can shoot. Whether they can shoot well or not, that's another story. But everybody can shoot. But not everybody can play defense. Mm -hmm. And so I know you're real big about defensive rotations and defensive uh, understanding. Um, just real quick, uh, give, us, give us a little bit into the brain of uh, like what you expect a team defense to look like. Yeah. Well, the, we got to go back again to that awareness piece. It's like what's going on out here. 
uh, we got to first do that. So let's say I'm guarding the ball, ball gets passed. One big thing is you got to drop back. So I teach you that's one thing to take. I don't care if you're eight years old to 38, teaching a player right there right away helps them defensively. They can drop back. So getting their awareness better and then uh, getting their voice going. Um, so if I can get their awareness better, we put them in the right position and then getting their voice going, learns how to connect with the other four players. Um, you'd be surprised at how much both of those are not going on. And I'm telling you that they're probably the most important pieces of a defense. And this is all the way up to the NBA. Um, I just did the video with Peyton Pritchard, um, Boston versus Miami. And these are two of the best teams in the NBA. And one player was boxing out on a tie game with, you know, there was like nine yeah. seconds left. They had just to guard yeah. the guy bringing it up in the last play. So you got to explain to me why would that happen with nine seconds to go in a tie game? Like everybody knows, hey, if we don't box out, we lose. Let's just go to overtime at least. But this is the reality of the game. Even with the most intelligent players, not many players are aware. That's so crazy. Okay. With those late game situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those late game situations always comes down to like, exact, just like that. Like you can pause a video and be like, this is why they lost. 1,000%. So, yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, we, we know what you look for in, in your young guys. We know what you what you expect and what, you, what you're looking for. Who's your favorite player to watch right now? College, NBA. Mm. Like if you if you had to name one person, you're like I would watch that guy because I just love his game. Like who is it? Man, was um, I just actually watched some of his highlights this morning. But I love watching Fred Van Vliet. Wow. Okay. Oh my guy. Right. Okay. Man. Yes. I love watching him. I mean, he's a player I've studied since he was um, at Wichita State and kind of studied his story and one and just like why is he as good as he is because there's pieces of his game that look unassuming. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think he made Rob Baker what he was. I think he made Cleanthe early what he was, got both those guys to the league. And then you see he kind of slingshotted himself forward and he's getting the benefit, sure. the most out of it at the higher level. Mm -hmm. Those guys were the All-American and looked at it back there. But he has a high Q, tough defender. Um, gosh, he's in top 10 in the NBA, I think, in, in charges the last two years. He's was either the leader or like second in deflections. Um, it's just very impactful basketball. And I think that's the way he got on the floor. I always tell the story a lot. I think he uh, it wasn't, hey, I can shoot and I can do this and let me do this. And then I, no, I'll deny, I'll dive loose balls, I'll take charges. And because I stay out here a little bit longer, then the ball comes to me in the corner, I make a three. I get a deflection, I get a layup, and I end up with, you know, nine points or something. It looks like, man, and he can shoot it too. And it's like, yeah, but that's that wasn't what I was trying to do. But I can do that. So much more than that. There we go. It's a product, it's a product of his actual game. Like his his scoring isn't even his game. It's just a product of like it comes naturally. Yep. And Draymond's another one that I that I like. Um Thank I you. love players that can impact the game that yes, they can score. But if they don't have if they don't have to score, how how they can basically have a dominant effect on the game. Um, I think both both those guys got high level defensive awareness. Um, they can impact the game when they're off the ball a lot. Uh, then they can lock up the guy they got. They know how to rebound. Um, so yeah, and Bino in 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 Fred's case, um, unless you, let me know what you think about this. Whenever I watch his film. 
there is literally there's I don't know how to say this, but there's no fat to his game. There's oh, no look, excess. I like used it. Yeah, he trims no the excess. Fat. It's every straight lines uses great angles. It's not speaking just offensively, but you're right. Defensively, his IQ is amazing as well. But I think that that's probably the the thing that separates him is like he has no excess. And it's amazing somebody that's under six foot is as efficient and as clean as he is. Um, and then, of course, Draymond. Draymond is amazing. People don't like Draymond. I don't know why. Because Here, check this out. Let me know what you think about this. As someone in your position who is, is training uh, kids and you're around them a lot, the younger community and the population that's playing basketball, have you ever had to explain to them the difference between highlights and film? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. expand on that for the people listening? Yes, please. Well, film highlights is what gets spliced and put together and it's the boom, boom, boom. It's that, that stuff. It's, but film is just any game you're watching every day. Like you, you can watch any game that comes on. Like I just got done watching uh, Providence and uh, Xavier. Oh my goodness. Wonderful, wonderful game. Mm-hmm. And you can be breaking down that film and within that see the highlights, but the highlights are just showing the great good things that happen in the game uh, in a you know minute, minute and a half. But watching and breaking down film, you know, it's like a life. You're not living on this high road all the time. Things are up and down. And so to fix things, to improve, we've got to look at all the negatives that happen. Um, and you want to either take notes on it or whatnot, you know, break it down. And find, oh, well, dang, I got backdoored there. Why did you get backdoor? I should have backed up when he passed it. Um, and, and we could fix this. But if you just go over all the things you did great, it's going to be really hard for you to get better. But the hardest part is for any player, I don't care from pro on down, to nitpick and go over all the things that they did wrong. You had to, like, build up a tough skin to that first. Um, but I think all players should go down that road to do it because – I honestly believe watching film can can completely adjust your game without doing something physically. And I think that a lot of players who are really, really great NBA players or college players, they catch a lot of flack from the casual fans because they don't make a lot of highlight plays. Draymond isn't full of highlight plays, but man, his film is amazing. Yeah. No, he and. I mean, Draymond was getting triple doubles in college and stuff, man. Took his team to like three final fours. Like he understands how to win games. And I'm learning as a coach and a teacher how I can articulate this point to show, yeah, scoring is good, but we can look at all the best of scores and the ones that are doing like right now is not winning the game. You get what I'm saying? There's You have to do these other things to win the game. And and. I want to figure out how to put a spotlight on that and show that like, yeah, it's cool to score, but I mean, look at right now, Bradley Bill scoring as many points as any person on earth would like to score. And that's not the key to the win. We, we all know, we all know Hoopers. I mean, especially the three of us, you know, we know each other, you know, personally, we've known each other for years, but I'm sure you, you know, Hoopers that, you know, right now could score, you know, maybe an NBA level, if not like a high collegiate level, but you know they never had a chance to go there because they don't understand the game. No, it's uh, I mean you. I've seen players who average like eight or nine points in college, and they go on and play in the NBA, and then the dudes like all American average twenty five in college, and then 
can he make it out of training camp? Um, look at Eric Snow's career. You know, I don't know if you remember Royal Ivy that went to Texas. These guys okay. averaged like eight points in college and then played double figure. For me, if I'm a player and I'm studying the game, that is more attainable to me than averaging 25. Um, and I want to learn that. Then if I learn how to score like that, some of these guys that make it to the NBA and where they eventually start becoming a score, like Jason Tatum is scoring more points now than he ever did before. You see what I'm saying? Like he developed. Yeah. Which is wild, which is wild. And you see like those players, they often say, you usually kind of hear them say the same thing. Usually like they come in and they're like, oh, like this is easier, you know? And you start to think like, well, like you, who would have thought it would have been easier, but in terms of the way that they're able to transition yep. into the game, their IQ transitions so well, it, it is easier for them. Well, the spacing at the NBA level is much better. You're playing with smarter players. Like There's a way that if I'm a smart player and the other four players don't have a good IQ, they can make me look really bad. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, exactly. it just, it sounds crazy. You know, if we want to talk about politics, that's, that's a politic. But this other stuff, you know, um, it's, it's, it's merit-based. And who do you think is really studying the game to improve their IQ? And the ones that are, we see it. Like Rondo, the number one thing he said he learned from high school was watching film. What do we know Rondo is? One of the smartest guys that ever be in the game of basketball, not just right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, all-time IQ. Yeah. All-time IQ. So it's those are our controllable. Look at Steve Nash, Victoria, British Columbia, man. Like, it's, come on now. Yeah, And he's one of the smartest guys in the game now, but you can control that. Uh, we can't control and be athletic and long like Imani Bates. Or, mm-hmm. So I'm trying, that's what, if I want to push the game forward, that's what I try to put out there as much as possible because that's what you can control. Um, yeah. I did the thing I did today on Damian Lillard. Um, he's great with the ball in his hands, but he's also seen it's hit a wall to win certain games or certain series. Yep. I think he, for every one time he can do something on the dribble, he could four times cut. But you got to be, you got to increase your uh, conditioning. And I think he's more deadly wherever he goes. He's a magnet. People are going to follow him around. So now you make your other teammates better when you don't stand. You, you move. These are little nuances that 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 are IQ based. And I think that's that right there is the the, the small gap. I don't want to say it's a major gap, but that's the small gap between him and, and Steph Curry. Steph Curry is a magnet. He's always moving. Yeah, his that ability to move. factor definitely can completely changes your defensive schemes. Well, the gap. I'll be honest. That's that's always being on. So remember, we talked about that attention span. Mm-hmm. You know, if if a guy turns his head, Steph's moving. You know. Yeah. Those times when you're standing, those are your your replenishing to to go and do more stuff. But if you're in constant shape, it's kind of like a, a Lance Armstrong or something. You just moving. You don't stop. And so yeah. you you know if you study guys that do that, the the Ray Allen's, the Rip Hamilton's, the Reggie Millers, and then we step Curry in today's day and age or Clay. And if this is Kobe, Kobe's going to steal that. It's not a, like a it's not a pride thing or like nah, dog. I'm the bigger. I'm the better one. He just steal it. He just steal it from me. I'll, I'll move like you do. I'll, I'll post like you do. Exactly. I'll fight over screens like you do. Um, I think that should be being done more, a little bit more now, um, too. Not not let the pride or stuff get in the way. Um, I love the fact that you just said Rip Hamilton. You got to teach these young kids, man. Rip Hamilton was a beast, man. Come on, UConn. I wonder if Rip Hamilton ever ran a marathon. I don't think he ever stopped moving. 
every every game. <laughs> no, I don't think he ever stopped. Conditioning, conditioning base. Like that's I read stories about him. He said he had like some dogs. I don't know what they were, and he'd run with them. They said he was running like five minute, like that would be his mile time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's heavy. That yeah, is that's oh crazy. my goodness. That's that's like what track people are doing. But if, if you get yeah. your, your capacity at that level, no matter how talented somebody is, you can just keep running forever. They're gonna stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. For sure. It's hard. That's that's yeah. Hey, so Bino, I want to get your thoughts on this too. I was I was talking to somebody, uh, some people on Twitter, just having a hoops conversation, and they were telling me that um, I I agree with this point. I also see what you think that the NBA is a players' league, and if you really want to see dynamic coaching, like elite level coaching, that is displaying all IQ, that stuff is really reserved almost at the college level more so than at the NBA level. Do you Mm. agree with that point? Uh, not as much. I mean, yes, a player's game, but there's things certain coaches are doing in the NBA to put players in in positions. And you can see it when certain players go from one team to to another team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even right now, like you're seeing, uh, it's going to take some time to unfold. But I think um, like Stan Van Gundy's going to do a good job with like the personnel that they have there um, mm-hmm. and the type of coach that he is. So um there's Somebody tell coaches. JJ that. <laughs> there's good coaches at every level, though. Like, uh-huh. you know, I mean, I would. There's great coaches in the NBA, WNBA, women's and college guys. Um, so, I think if you want to break it down, you just got to watch a lot of games to see it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but there's some. I mean, come on, Brad Stevens. Yeah, Brad Stevens, <laughs> who's think, also a great college coach. He was for sure. Yeah. Coach Nick, Nick, Nick Nurse too. Yeah, yeah, Nick Nurse. And, I mean, um, you know, uh, Spolster is a Portland guy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Spo. Give it up for yeah. Spo. Like, I just think that there's – who knows if everybody's the full package, but um, you can handpick and find different things that got – they have so many games in the NBA, it's almost impossible for a college coach. They're not getting – like – do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I see 30 saying. games, yeah. 82 games. And now we do five years. Like how long would it take for you to catch up to me? Just games, high level pressure games for me as a coach, you know, AAU has its drawbacks, but man, it, I feel like it really sharpened me up. Like the high pressure situations I was in. If I go to a tournament playing seven games, you know, this high school coach just played in two games this week. I played in seven. And then two of them were overtime, and some dude tip dunked it at the, you know what I mean, like crazy high mm-hmm. NCAA tournament atmosphere. You can't duplicate that, and so you can rapidly develop if you throw yourself into it. For sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know uh, if that answers it, but long No, nah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think so. I think so, too. Um, Bino kind of uh, bringing things full circle with um, uh, Hoop Dreams basketball. Yes. You know, you, you, you talked a lot about, um, you know, these these camps and and these programs doing for their community. So talk to us and, and our listeners a little bit about Hoop Dreams basketball. What's it all about? Yeah. Well, I started in 2002, and at the time, I just was tired of working odd jobs, and I, I was like, man, I know basketball. I can do good at this, you know, uh, as a rookie. And started doing that, man. I was deeply in love with the game, but I just felt deeper in love with this. I got more gratification out of helping players develop than ever than out of myself and anything I ever did on my own. 
And so I kept pushing that forward. And the first kind of group of players I worked with, um, most of them went D1 and the number one pro, like one of the guys is still playing now is Dom Waters. I don't know if Potsy and them guys talked about, but he, Dom was kind of like a big brother to those guys back then and showing them like, you know, Hey, you can do this and move on and play pro um, uh, back then. So that kind of crop came in and then we started uh, I-5 right after that. And that kind of paired with what we were doing with hoop dreams to be able to develop players um, and help expose them on the circuit. Um, and then now uh, the biggest thing I've been doing, I, I do camps, semi-private lessons, private lessons, team workouts, group workouts, but it's been this digital stuff with teaching basketball IQ and through this portal is kind of where things are going. So I've been doing a lot of stuff with zoom um, doing like film studies uh, to your point yeah, okay. with players. So we'll break down and do a screen share and you know, break, break down their footage or, or go over a topic or a particular player. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the place where I'm going right now with the business is how to get into this digital realm and, and teach the game as much as possible, not just here in this community and see how it can spread out. That's awesome, man. It's very, very awesome. And I'm curious too, uh, as you, as you move forward with the, with the podcast and the content and everything that you're going to have going forward, um, as you start to distribute it out, are you planning on maybe traveling around, doing some pop-ups, doing some training events in different states, countries, whatever the case may be? Because I'm sure like there is a market for it. It's, it's, it's endless possibilities. Definitely. And that's what I like with opening it up into this digital stuff, you know, being able to, to build like an IQ curriculum and uh, doing something like that. But yeah, I mean, I love to travel. I would love to, to do something like that and go around. The way I look at it is I, I want to really build it here as much as I can um, and then now start to go and spread it out. But definitely that. Another thing I didn't really mention is um, trying to build the, the YouTube presence. So I didn't really have anything up until about a year ago. And so trying to put all these mediums together, it's this stuff mm-hmm. is, is in some capacity new to me because I never really used it for this, this, uh, this way to teach. Gotcha. Um, but it's, it's got such a wider reach. You know I mean? Like somebody, I just had some, I mean, you guys are from Florida. I had people hit me from like Australia. Some guy, mm-hmm. I think he's from like Belgium. Uh, like he, sends my stories it's crazy all the time. I mean that's what I'm saying like that's dope I don't look at I maybe sometimes I'm small-minded with it but whatever I can do I'm open uh mm. I love this game of basketball man for sure for sure and um far as like the YouTube channel and the content goes do you follow any other there's like there's a lot of I don't know well I guess I could call them trainers YouTube trainers guys who teach IQ there's a and they make a lot of really good content like it's a lot of stuff out there yeah I go on there sometimes uh, if I get, you know, going down like a certain rabbit hole or whatnot, but mm-hmm. a lot of, I'll be honest, like a lot of my content and stuff that where I learn and try to teach myself the game is by watching the game. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever I want to do with the player, I want to be tra- like, that's the thing. Some part in this era, a little bit in this era, doing all the drill stuff, there's a way that what if I don't get the ball in my hand? If I only have it twice, but I, I did these particular drills, like the ball would be in my hand. So uh-huh. I would rather teach the game and like, yeah, if you got that in your back pocket, but there's, you're going to, have to do all these other things more often mm-hmm. than that. So for sure. 
I, lo- I love this interview, man. We had we had a uh, uh, Mike Dunn, who's a shooting coach, okay. on uh, a few months ago, and uh, and and like you guys have such similar kind of mindsets. Obviously, he's a shooting coach, so he's offensively minded. But the way you guys sp- talk about the uh, kind of the walk before you run kind of mentality, yeah. you know, because like as a shooting coach, he's like, hey, I have I have a thirteen year old who's like, yo, can you teach me the hardness st- step back? He's like, this kid can't make a 12 foot jumper and he wants to know how to make a step back three. And like, just kind of like the way you're, you're talking about like what you expect from your guys and the way that you look at the game is it's, it's so kind of refreshing because there, that is the mentality, not just for kids either. I mean, like you go, go to, go to the Y, go to, go to a a lifestyle or LA fitness, some some 25, 30 year old dudes in there trying to do step back threes, you can't make a free throw. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they're everywhere. So it's 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 really refreshing to to talk to about the game as a whole and and kind of see the the fallacies that like a normal, a normal, you know, casual hooper would fall into. Yeah. And it's and it's easy to do in this day and age if you don't um kind of scale back and and take a look at things. It's just real easy to to fall into it. What do you you know? Look at all the stuff that's getting glamorized in today's day and age with basketball. So I feel like I'm like one out of ten that's saying it in this way. So it's not. <laughs> I still got a lot more work to do to spread the word. Mm. Appreciate it though. So like I got I got one more question for you, uh, yeah. Bino. I see I see in the back you got some books lined up back there. Yeah. I see you I'm got the mama mentality. Yeah, I got I, I got a few. I got a few. Yeah. Uh, what what, you, what are you reading? What are you into? Um, man, here. I need to get back into this. Uh, I'm not reading it as much as I should. How to influence? Uh, what is it? How to influence? How to win friends and influence people? My guy, I am literally starting that book tomorrow. I just finished another one. <laughs> it's so crazy how this works out every time. Yeah, every time, bro. Every time this happens. Triple Overtime Book Club. Forget the podcast. Hey. Man. Man. hey. Every, every time Cliff asks that question, he's somebody's like, oh, I'm reading this really obscure book. And he's like, yo, bet. I just got this like, book. I just, like, I'm just like, like, reading it. That's so funny. That's so funny. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Some of the most powerful books that I've I've read... One recently that um, somebody sent me is called The Happiness Book for High Achievers. And I forget this guy's name, but he's like a uh, athletic sports performance coach. Um, He used to be for like the 49ers and he ran his own business um, kind of doing like that's what I'm doing. But for thinking and physical uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this books that, you know, kind of saying people that are high achievers, like there's no you don't kind of hit a level. You just keep going. So. When do you feel content? When do you feel joy? Um, that was like a powerful book for me. And then The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. I'm not sure if okay. you guys have read that. It's just uh-uh. teaches you how, you know, we think, oh, talent you're born with and stuff. Not saying you might not be, but he makes a pretty compelling story of how you learn talent. Uh, okay. Shows it on all levels. The Talent and Code. The Talent is a powerful book. And then we talked about earlier, but the Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes, sir. Is is a is a great book. For sure. Ten thousand hours. Yep. Well look, Bino, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. For real. It's been awesome. Thank you for uh spending some time with us. Seriously.
Yes, sir. Sure, man. Appreciate you taking the time out. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. No problem.